We just want to let you know LCC is a, is a church of small group families that gets together and meets once a week. Right now here at RELC and then not too long over at LCC again. We look forward to that. Um, today we're going to start a series on prayer. Um, and by the way, just so you know, for the next several weeks, we're actually going to have like a prayer time here in the auditorium before the service starts. So if you want to come in and reflect, you know, 15, 20 minutes before the service, come in. We encourage you to do that. Uh, the leadership team here at LCC has kind of set this direction um, for us to grow in our understanding of what prayer is in this next season and to have prayer be out front and to lead us in our lives and all we do. So as we start today, I just want to share a little bit about prayer and what Jesus has done for us and what that has to do with prayer. Um, so stay with me here. In Hebrews 10, we learn that before Jesus came, there was a system in place to address sin. A priest would offer sacrifices for sin, but it could not deal fully with the sin problem. It, we read this in Hebrews 10. Listen to this. This is amazing. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offering the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and it never makes a dent in the sin problem. Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. By this, that single offering, he did everything needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the process, who receives it. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no longer any need for sacrifices for them. That's why the Bible calls Jesus the great high priest. It's called the great high priest. That's because his sacrifice on the cross dealt with our sin problem once and for all if we trust him and believe. But here's what that means for prayer. Because the verses right after that, right after we learn Jesus is the priest, the, once, the one who gave his life once for all for us, this is what we read after that. So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. Think about that. And so the writer says, so let's do it. Let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. And isn't that the, the thing about prayer? Sometimes we feel like we can't come because of something we've done. That's why Jesus came. He came to be the great high priest for us so that even in our struggles, we can come and talk to God and have a relationship with God. And this is reaffirmed again in Hebrews 4. It says the same thing. Now that we know we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's the posture we we're to have before God. You see, in Christ, there, there's no fear because Jesus, if we believe in him, has made us right with God and has given us access not just to come, but to come confidently before God. So we're going to do that today as we pray, as we worship. We're going to pray throughout our worship time too. I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm just going to pray over us as we begin. So stand with me.
Father, we take you at your word. You offered your son to us so that we could have access, so that we could have relationship, so that we could have oneness. And we want to live in that oneness today. No matter what we're carrying today, we have one who stood in our defense, one who gave his life for our sin, and we're so grateful for it. We worship you today, and we're excited to worship together in your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. So good to be with you into worship in 2024. Um, if you thought, like that number seemed incomprehensible to you at some point in your life, then we're probably about the same age bracket, right? Um, um, but yeah, as, uh, we're, um, my name is Tom. I'm the, the teaching pastor here at Life Community Church. And um, we, as Dan shared with you at the outset of the service, we're beginning a new series um, right now, but it's a, it's a series that really we hope and pray launches our church body into um, not just conversation about, but, but more and more the practice of prayer in our lives. Um, it, this is a, it is a focus for our, our church um, in, in the new year. Um, a, a way for us to, to, to sort of put a, a stake uh, in the ground of, uh, and, and claim some territory and say, we, we want to be people of prayer. And so we're, we're beginning the year by, by talking about prayer. Um, and, and today we're going to talk just about, like, what is prayer? What is it? Okay? Um, and, and for some, this may be old habit. And, and, and I know, look, I, uh, again, uh, I've been around long enough to hear people talk about prayer and, and oftentimes when the topic comes up, the first thing I feel is anticipated guilt, right? Like, I'm not doing it enough. I'm not doing it good enough. I'm not praying hard enough for the right things or the right way. But can we just unburden ourselves right now and say, no matter where we are, okay, no matter where we are, God wants to meet with us, and he's provided prayer as a channel to do that. And so we want to, as, as, as Dan said earlier, and we will see again in this passage, God invites us to come to him in this way, no matter where we find ourselves now. So we're going to start today with, with just talking about what is prayer and, and, just, and, and setting a, a foundation for, for the practice of prayer. Next week, we're actually going to talk about like, like how to pray, okay? How do we do this? So you're obligated, if you're here this week, you're obligated to come back next week, Okay. Um, and then two weeks from now, we're going to pray together. We're going to take our Sunday morning, and we're going to say that this, this practice is so important, and it's so important that we do it together in community, that we're going to have a morning of prayer together, okay? So now you're obligated for three weeks. So if, if, if you're a New Year's resolution type person, okay, and you were like, hey, I'm going to come back to church, you're in for at least three weeks, okay? You're in for at least three. You've got to be here for the next three weeks. So we're, so we're, we're going to spend that time um, together talking about prayer in the month of January here. But then throughout the year, there'll be, we're going to focus on prayer in our groups together, in our group times. Um, we're, going to, we're going to focus on prayer in our gatherings. We're going to offer some tools to help and opportunities to grow in prayer. Um, and so today is just like a first step, okay? Today is a first step on a, on a bit of a long path. Um, and so I want to just begin by saying, like, let's, let's be honest about the situation. Um, prayer is a bit mysterious, okay? Um, I have, um, I, I, I've, I've been around the church for 48 years, and, um, and I would say that there is, I still have more unanswered questions about prayer than I have answered questions about prayer, right? Um, I, have, I have so many questions about, about, like, how does this impact the world around me? What difference does my prayer make? Are there, are there certain ways to pray or, 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 
or attitudes of prayer or, or aspects of prayer that I'm missing. Like I have so many questions about prayer. Um, and, and all that to say, to, to, to sort of billboard and, 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 and um, bring the, the cookies down on the, the bottom shelf, like here's the deal about prayer. There, there is intentional mystery about this, okay? Because prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is inherently an act of faith. To do it is to say, I don't have answers to all of my questions, but I trust the one who tells me that I need to come to him in prayer. So we begin there. Prayer is mysterious because to pray is to engage in the mystery of who God is. The second thing I just want to say before we get into some nuts and bolts today is that um, we're going to do our best to try and illustrate some things with prayer, but based on the mystery of prayer and, and based on how vast the, the body of information is about prayer and all the different things that are true about prayer, illustrations are always going to meet an end, right? Like, they're, they're all going to be inadequate. But we'll do our best. Bear with us, okay, as we go through this to try and, 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 um, and do our best. But, but I want to, as we talk about prayer and we talk about what prayer is, I want to start by just simply saying, like, that, that um, the Bible gives us, honest to goodness, like, a surprisingly small amount of explanation of prayer. Okay? Dan read a passage that describes like, the attitude with which we bring to prayer. But the Bible and, and God, through the, the, uh, inspiring the writers of the Bible, seem not all that concerned. They seem to have very little concern for telling us how the mechanics of prayer work. Okay? It's, just, it's just that the Bible doesn't say a lot about prayer okay? as far as how it works. But what we find in the scriptures all over the place is, are examples of prayer. Examples of prayer. All throughout the Bible, we find people praying, people coming to God. In fact, there's so many times people are communicating with God, it's difficult to know, like, is this really prayer or is it not? Like, what are the boundary lines of prayer? Is any communication with God prayer? Okay. Because oftentimes we, we're reading a prayer in the Bible, but the passage itself doesn't say, and so-and-so prayed to God. It just seems like we have a person who's bowed before God speaking to him in a prayerful way. And so the word prayer in, in, in both the Old Testament Hebrew language and the New Testament Greek language, the word prayer is a fascinating word that every time it comes across, it means prayer. When you try to go define the, the biblical words for prayer, it just means prayer. It's almost like this idea that's just put in front of us, and it's sort of we're all supposed to commonly understand this is what prayer is. It's just communicating with God. When you are communicating with God, you are doing what the Bible tells us and then gives us examples of as prayer. And so when we talk about what prayer is, when we talk about what prayer is, we just want to start by saying prayer is simply put, prayer is just communication with God. It's just communication with God. Okay? And we're done. Let's move. No, we're not. Okay? <laughs> Brett told me I have a little more time. But the, but the Bible's full of all kinds of prayer. There are very short prayers, prayers of distress. God help me, right? Simple prayers. Um, there are prayers of thanksgiving and submission, the prayer of Hannah, the prayer of Hannah in the Bible, uh, pray, praying that God would bless her with a child, begging, but also submitting to his will. David gave many prayers of thanksgiving and submission. There are prayers that are intermingled with, with rich thanksgiving, but also asking things of God, like in Paul's letters. There's 
all kinds of, of prayers in the Bible. And the history of Israel, or the story of the Old Testament, gives us sort of like different waves of prayer. As we read through the scriptures, we find that the earliest prayers, the prayers of like the patriarchs, the, the prayers of, of the early uh, followers of God, these are prayers that were very personal. They seem to have very personal communication with God. The first time the word prayer is used in the, in the Hebrew scriptures is in Genesis chapter 20. Okay? And, and there's, a, there's a prayer that's made on, the behalf of, on behalf of someone else. As time goes on and the children of Israel grow, there becomes like a professional class of prayers. Right? The priests are the ones offering most of the prayers. And there are passages that give very sort of like uh, specific and, and, um, and formal prayers. But then when, when after following the tabernacle, the building of the temple, and the tearing down of the temple, there is no more temple. The priesthood is disbanded, and the people go into exile. There's a deeper intimacy that grows again, but prayer becomes more confessional. God, like, hear our cry, we have sinned. There's these, like, waves of prayer in the Old Testament scriptures. And, of course, we see in the person of Jesus, right, when he comes to earth, we see his emphasis on prayer. He talks about prayer. Josh uh, is going to share with us next week some of the instruction that Jesus gives on prayer. But, but what we see in Jesus is someone who prayed. He often stole away from the crowd to be alone with God. But you also get a sense that even in the midst of what he was doing, he was talking with God. And, and what we know about him is that his constant submission to the Spirit during his incarnation here on earth was, it, was, was the ideal form of prayer. Right, And Paul in his letters writes so many times, he writes out his prayers. My prayer for you, he says to the churches that he writes his letters to. And then he famously writes, almost just in passing, but so powerfully to the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing, pray all the time. Like have this attitude that you're just always in communication with God. Like he's always present with you. And so the story of prayer in the Bible, it gives us this, like, this, this, this story of, of the people of God communicating with God in various ways over a long period of time. But I know that we tend to like categories, right? It helps us to put things into buckets or baskets. So what, we, what I want to do is I want to try this morning with the time that we have is to put our prayer, the prayers of the Bible, into at least a few categories. There will be more than what we have time to discuss today, right? You will be able to find passages of Scripture where there is prayer that doesn't neatly fit into one of these, but, but generally big, broad categories, okay? Four, four types of prayer in the Bible. And the first one that we come across are prayers where, we, where simply someone calls on God, okay? The prayer that, that is calling on God. It's the earliest prayer we find in the Bible, Okay? It's, it's the earliest prayer that we find in the Bible. And um, I would like the record to show that the very first passage of Scripture that we're going to read at, at Life Community Church in 2024 begins with these words. <laughs> Adam made love to his wife. Or he knew his wife, as the Hebrew would say. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, this will get to prayer, I promise saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed Abel. We know the story of Cain and Abel and Cain taking the life of Abel. So Eve pray, she, she, says, she says, God's granted me another child in place of the, the lost son. Seth also had a son. He named him Enosh. But then it says this in Genesis 4, 26. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. 
people began to call on the name of the Lord. We find from the earliest, the earliest time, we find right at the outset, there was no instruction to pray. We simply find a description of something that was happening in the children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of, of Adam and Eve that they were calling on the name of the Lord, the name of Yahweh or Jehovah. They called it out. It simply, again, it means the idea of calling on the name means to like to proclaim the name. They called on it. They, they, they were calling out for God. So, so what does it mean like to, 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 to sort of understand prayer and its, its first point here from the scriptures? What does it mean when we call on someone? What does it mean to call on someone, right? It's communication intended for someone. It's communication intended to an audience. If I pick up my phone that I don't have with me, but if I pick it up and, and I skip texting, which would be my first option, right? The Bible doesn't say I texted and they texted on the name of the Lord, right? You could, I suppose. But if we call on the name, if we call on someone, we, we're, we're initiating communication with someone in their direction, someone specific, someone particular, Okay? In the old days when, when, you know, when you were a young man and you were calling the house of a young lady, right? What was the, what the you would, it would actually utter a prayer, right? Please don't be her dad. Please don't be her dad. Please don't be her dad. Okay? But once someone picked up the other end of the line, what would you do? Hello, is so-and-so here? May I speak to them? Calling on someone. Calling on someone. Let's not, let's not overcomplicate it. Calling on someone is simply reaching out to them in communication. And that's the, the first sort of instances of prayer we find in the Bible are the first people who simply say, God, we're calling to you. We're calling out to you. There's many things in life that we are, things in this world that, that we could reach out to, that we could see God, but God, we're calling out to you. And so, so prayer is calling out to God. It's, it's directing our, our communication to him, the God who is real. Okay? The second thing we find is that, that prayer is confessing to God. Okay? Calling on God and confessing to God. Confessing to God. We see this in a lot of different places. It's all over the scriptures. There are all kinds of things that we could, we could say about this, but, but confession is simply agreeing with God when he says that something is wrong. Something is broken in the world. It, doesn't, it shouldn't be this way, and so we're going to agree with him. We think of it first and foremost as where I am wrong, and I need to agree with God that I am wrong, and I'm going to confess that, and that is certainly part of prayer. That is certainly part of our prayer. Anybody not good at this, by the way? Admitting I'm wrong? Right? Just in any kind of argument? Any kind of argument? In your thank you. Thank you. <laughs> in your marriage? Do you always find a way to be right in your conversation, in your marriage? In your workplace, are you always sort of devising uh, an explanation or a justification for why you, uh, what you did was right, why it was really the only expected path any reasonable person could take, rather than confessing, you know what, I was wrong about this. I was wrong about this. Many of the prayers of the Bible are prayers of confession. In fact, I mentioned there was a whole sort of period of time in the, in the history of the children of Israel where they were confessing their sin. 
They were confessing their sin. They were confessing their sin in, in the hopes that God would restore them to relationship with him, which was by them defined as, as his people in his place under his rule. They wanted to return to the land. They wanted that restoration. And it, but it's really hard to take ownership of our error and to say it out loud. And I want to share this strange little passage with you because there are certain passages about confession that, that, that will... They just sort of intuitively make sense to us, even if we don't like to do them, right? I did something wrong, and I'm going to confess. I'm going to agree that it was wrong, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that out loud to someone else. But there's this strange passage in Deuteronomy. We're saying some of these, several of these in the Old Testament here. Um, but, but there's this strange passage in Deuteronomy. It, come, it comes from Deuteronomy um, chapter 21. And the context of this is actually, what do you do? This is, you're going to love this. What do you do if you're out in the field and you find a dead person? So we've already had this morning, um, uh, we've already had Adam uh, knew his wife, made love to his wife, and now we've got murder, okay? So, so you stumble upon a dead body, okay? That honestly is the scenario that, they're, that is presented here. You stumble upon a dead person. What do you do next, okay? What do you do next? I just want to read this passage and make an observation about, about um, the level of confession that, that, that is anticipated in, in the scriptures. It says this, that all the elders of the town nearest the body, this is the dead body, shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley. So, so they find a dead body and now they're going to make a sacrifice for whoever took the life. Okay, they don't know who did it. It's an unsolved murder. Okay. So they, they're, they're going to wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley, and they shall declare, our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it done. Okay? They, we are not personally responsible for this. But then look at what it says. Accept this atonement for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, Lord, and do not hold your people guilty of the blood of an innocent person. They don't simply say, we didn't do this, we're not guilty, what they do is they actually say, a, a violation has occurred. This is wrong. And we are going to take it upon ourselves to make a sacrificial atonement for this. Okay? My point is this. There are prayers of confession that oftentimes are easy for us. Okay? Now, they're, they may not, they're easy in the sense of like, okay, I'll take responsibility for that because I'm the one who did this. But I want us to understand something about the confession of the people of God as it's understood in the scriptures. The confession of the people of, the God, the people of God does not stop with just the things that I'm personally, individually responsible for. The scriptures tell a story of, of a people in, a, in community together, in, as a nation, as a family who say, even if we don't know, but I do know I'm innocent, I'm going to take it upon myself to go to God to confess this was wrong, to make right for it. There's an atonement. An atonement is the only path that covers the sin. And surely I wasn't at fault, but we still make atonement for it. So what's the limit that's put on our confession in our prayer? How, how much, this is to bring this back to prayer, how much... Like, how much brokenness and sinfulness do I need to pray for? And the answer is, all of it. Yeah, but I'm not responsible for that. I didn't personally do that. Well, the answer of the Bible is, pray for it anyway. Agree with God that it's wrong. I'm not responsible for that injustice that was done over there, or I'm not responsible for that injustice that was done in the past. I know. 
I know. But you know who else wasn't responsible for the injustice and the brokenness and the wrongness and took it upon themselves to atone for it? Jesus did that. And so as we do that, we walk in the way of Jesus. We, we don't, it's still him that makes atonement. My confession doesn't make it all go away. But what it does is it brings my heart into agreement with God's. That the world as it is is not the world the way it should be. And I want to, I want to be with you in this, God. I confess that you are right. And this, this world, and me included, we're wrong. And so there are prayers of confession. We've got to move. Okay, the third sort of category is communion with God. Prayer is communion with God. It is calling on God. It's confessing to God. And now it's communion with God. These are prayers of just being with him, of just being with him. There's no better example than in the Psalms. So look at, look at what, uh, uh, how the psalmist writes. And some of these are David, some are not. But it says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with him? This is a prayer. Where can I go? Oh, I, can, I go to him. I'm thirsty for him. Similar language in, in, in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. There it is again. Now look at this. My whole being longs to be with you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Like, I'm in the desert here. I need you, God. I need you. I just want to be in communion with you, in touch with you. Psalm 84, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I just want to be with God. It's my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. It's like almost, there's almost an involuntary noise that goes out from us, right? To be with God. Oh, I need you. Oh, I need you. The fourth category is requesting of God. And I think this is the place where we most, most of us, most of us, those of you that are looking for a fourth C, sorry to disappoint, but not sorry. Okay, requesting of God. I think we often associate most of our prayer with this fourth category. Okay? We often associate most of our prayer with this category, and it's not to diminish any other or not to elevate any other. The fact of the matter is that, that this is clearly an element of our prayer. It's asking certain things of God. It's, it's, it's asking him to, to intervene in certain ways um, it, it, where, where things are aimed. There, there are prayers of request that are aimed at, at me personally. We call, those, we call those prayers of petition, petitioning God. And there are prayers where we're asking on behalf of someone else. There's a fancy word for that called prayers of supplication. But essentially, many of our prayers, many of our prayers are prayers where we're requesting something of God. God, would you please, would you please change this situation? Would you please make this diagnosis a positive diagnosis? Would you please help us find a way to make our, our, our bills uh, our income match our bills this month? Would you please restore this relationship? Most famously, we just looked at the Gospels, right? God, would you please let this pass from me? I don't, Jesus' prayer, right? was a prayer of request. Petitioning his God, his Father, if there's any other way. If there's any other way. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12 it says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul had a reason for what is going to happen here. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, some sort of physical ailment, 
a messenger of Satan. There's something going on in Paul that he actually attributes to God's enemy, Satan. To torment me, he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He requested of God three times. Now, this is the three, number three times, and boy, we could look at this for a long time, but I just want to make this, uh, I just want to notice this, right? Paul prayed multiple times that it would be gone, but he also limited his prayer. And I'm not sure 100% what to do with that. But he prayed three times, he says. I pleaded with God three times that he would take away whatever this physical ailment was, that he would take it away from, from him. We'll come back to that. So essentially we find, essentially we find four like sort of baskets of prayer in the scriptures. And again, I'm sure some of you could find five or six or eight or two dozen, right? But essentially we find four things. Prayer is calling on God. It's confessing to God. Prayer is communion with God, just being with God. It's requesting of God. But why don't we pray? Why don't we do it? Okay, why don't, why, why don't we? And, and I want to just sort of theorize or hypothesize a few possibilities. That we don't pray because we don't think we're worthy. Let's start there. Dan shared with you um, this morning that there's some, the, 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 when he read from Hebrews 4, like he shared with you that there's something about us that we believe keeps us or prohibits us from being able to come to God. Okay? It could be that I'm, I am too sinful. Like I, I just don't believe that, that I have earned that status to be able to talk to God for some. For others, it may, we may just think we're too small. Like I'm just, I'm, just a, I'm just little me in this little place with this little concern. Surely that's not important enough for God. Okay? But as Dan shared, let us approach, from Hebrews 4, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, it's our sin and our insignificance that really ought to empower our prayer, right? If I'm good enough on my own, I don't need to talk to God. Prayer is, prayer is meaningless if, I'm, if, I've, if I can do it on my own. Prayer is, is powerful and meaningful because I'm unworthy, because I'm a sinner, because compared to the fate of the universe, my concerns are insignificant. But that, those are the very things that, that make God so amazing. Is that in spite of all of that, in spite of my failures, in spite of the fact that my perspective is so limited and I have, my blinders are so narrow that I can't see the big picture, God says, come with confidence. This is just the place you need to be. Come with confidence. Another reason I don't think we pray is, I, I think many of us, we just don't believe it works, Right? We don't believe it works. Um, when I was a young man, I wanted one thing for many, many years, many, many Christmases, and that thing was a Nintendo, right? I'm not alone, okay? We all wanted a Nintendo. And I think I've, I've shared this a little bit before. One Christmas, I'm all excited. There's a box under the tree. It looks like a Nintendo. I open it up, and it's an Atari 7800, okay? I played that Atari 7800 until, like, my, my hands bled, but it wasn't a Nintendo, and I wasn't satisfied. I wanted that Nintendo. And the next Christmas, I wanted it again and asked for it and didn't get it. And the next Christmas, I asked for it again and didn't get it. And the next Christmas, I didn't get it. And you know what I did? I took my money, and I went to the store, and I couldn't buy a Nintendo. They were sold out. So I bought a Sega Genesis. 
Okay? But my point, the point in this is, is this, right? Like, instead of a Nintendo, I want my, I want my, my father, hypothetically, I want my father to stop speaking that way to my mother. And I keep praying about it. But it doesn't get better. You see, prayer doesn't work. And then I went to the doctor, and they said it could be, it could be this thing or it could be this really bad thing. And you know what? I prayed about it, and it was the bad thing. You see, prayer doesn't work. And so I've stopped. But James writes, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer for a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look, I don't know the answer. When I said started with prayer is mysterious, I wasn't just saying that because I didn't have answers for everything I wanted to share this morning. I just don't know. I don't know why some little, little kids get a pony and other little kids get cancer. I don't know. But God does. Remember that prayer of Paul? Three times I pleaded with God. Look, look, Paul was in connection with Jesus. Three times I pleaded with God that he would take it away. And you know what the answer was? The answer from God was, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul's thorn in the flesh did not go away. It didn't go away. For some reason, God didn't take Paul's thorn away. But you see, what if some of the, that last line, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, what if as much of the power in prayer isn't about changing the circumstances and the factors in my world, but it's about changing the work of God in me and in those around me? What if it's as much about, as Paul said, God's grace was sufficient for me? I don't know, and I'm sorry, and my heart aches with you. But God says it matters. And so prayer, the act of prayer, becomes this ultimate step of faith. And then another reason I don't think we pray, or I think we don't pray, and again, there's going to be more, but this is the last one I'm just going to share with you, is that it just doesn't fit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit too busy for prayer. Too busy to stop and do that. Or I've, you know, I've tried it, and it just, that's just not really the way I sort of connect with God. But it's why this is, is prayer is, it's like the, 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 the first sort of sign of our faith is our prayer life. Because let's be honest, Prayer is the simplest and most direct opportunity for faithful living that we have every moment of every day of our lives. No matter what else is taken away from us, our access to God through prayer isn't taken from us. And so no matter how bad things get, no matter which, what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can call on the name of the Lord. We can call out to God. And so what prayer becomes for us is a measuring stick by which we can determine, am I living by faith or not? 
How, how connected with God am I? James, just before, earlier from the passage we just read, he says, he writes, come near to God and he will come near to you. You see, if it, we say it doesn't fit, what we're really saying is nearness with God is kind of low on my list of priorities. Nearness with God is just, yeah, I mean, it kind of matters, but not enough that I'm going to actually like be prompted to do something about it. It's why prayer becomes this measuring stick for where am I in my life with God? The simplest way to, to answer that question is to ask, how's your prayer been? How's our prayer been? Are we praying more or less? Is prayer, is prayer one of our first options when a challenge arises, a worry arises, or is it one of our last? Do we have to be reminded even to do it? That we have, we have this option available to us. Come near to God. Draw near to him, and he will come near to you. So let me vary in. I'm going to call the band up, and we're going to do another song or so. But I want to just end with this. Like, how do, okay, so what do we do? Now, next week is really about how do we pray. This week is just about, like, come on, we need to pray, right? We, I need God. So how do I trigger myself to do it? to make it more and more part of my life. And I'm just gonna just, if you fall into one of these groups, let's say, that, let's say that your prayer life is quite frankly pretty mature and pretty strong. Ready? Keep, amen, keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. Just do what you've been doing. I think that you're like really rare out there, but do it. Keep going. And thank you for your faithfulness. You're, you're being with God. What if you're growing, right? I wouldn't say I'm mature, but I'm growing. Well, it's time to make some commitments to prayer. And we want to do that as a body together. It's time to make some commitments. Can you carve some time to do this? Can you set something else aside? What is, like, if, if so much of our life with God is, is sacrificed before him, what's something that I could give up to spend more time with him? Can I watch one less show to spend a bit more time with God? Can I get up 15 minutes early, give up 15 minutes of sleep to have 15 minutes with God? If we're growing, now's the time to consider our commitments. And if you're new or you would say, I don't, I'm not praying at all, let me offer this advice. This is why it says triggers up there. Okay? To trigger yourself. Just, there are certain things that we as people do every day. We do every day. Can you pray when you brush your teeth? Can you do that? Okay. And who knows? Maybe it's like, maybe you're a 30-second and the teeth are done. That's great, right? <laughs> maybe a month from now, you'll be brushing your teeth for seven minutes. I don't know. But can, it's something we do. If, if you work outside the home, when you close the door to the house, from the time you walk to the house or... You pull out of the garage and you, is, there, is there a fixed period where you can say in that period of time, every day I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to God, I'm gonna call on the name of the Lord. I'm just gonna say, God, I'm here. What do you want for my day? Can we do that? When you sit down at your desk, I have a page a day calendar on my desk. If you don't get one, they're pretty cheap. Rip that page off and pray in that moment. 
doesn't have to take 30 minutes of your day. It can take 30 seconds. But call on the name of the Lord if this is new to us. What's something that you do every day so that we don't wind up putting our head on the pillow at the end of the day and saying, I didn't talk to God once today. I didn't talk to God once today. We pray with me? Father, we, um, I come to you and just ask um, for your presence to be real for us. Um, we, we have so many questions about life with you, about, about talking to you, communicating with you, prayer with you, and um, God, I, I, I want to ask for answers in experience. God, would you help us to be people who find the answers to our questions about prayer in our time with you in prayer? Can that be true of us? God, we, we come to you in prayer because we believe in you. We believe that you are real, that you are powerful, that you have provided everything that is necessary to make it possible for us to approach you. And um, we want to do that. And so we offer these prayers to you as part of our lives. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have another song that we're going to play this morning, but it's getting late. I want to invite Josh down. He's going to give our closing announcement. And then parents especially, if, you, if you've served in kids' life and it gets past 1115, you know it gets a little crazy in there. All right, so before we do this last song, we'll, we'll let the parents go, uh, and you can go pick up your kids from Kids Life. And we just have a song of, of celebration that we'll play. Uh, but first, I want to invite Josh up. Thanks again for joining us today for the service. Um, what we're going to do as well, for those that are interested in the intro to serving, Monica is going to be just outside the main entrance doors at the welcome desk. But uh, intro to groups. Intro to groups, my bad. Uh, but that'll be right outside there. Monica's going to be leading that. And uh, we're glad that you guys are here with us today. We pray that you have a blessed day. And we hope to see you again next week. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. And you guys are welcome to stay for an extra uh, five, six, seven. I don't know how long the song is. Uh, or you are welcome to uh, head out and enjoy your Sunday. But if you want to stay and make a joyful noise with us, that's cool, too.